0: Thank yeah. you. So hello, this is Steve from Retro Man Blog and welcome to episode 16 of our special series, Lockdown Lowdown. And um, in our recent episode um, that I did called The Rhythm Method with Buddy Ascot of The Chords, we talked about some of our favourite drummers and bassists and, uh, and some of our sort of iconic bass players, included JJ Burnell of The Stranglers, Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, Dee Dee Ramone, of course, Lemmy, Tina Weymouth, Paul Simonon, Peter Hook, and of course, my latest special guest, Gay Black, a.k.a. Gay Advert. Hi Gay, welcome to Red Podcast. nice off. to see you. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you, it's, it's been a while. Um, obviously we tend to bump into each other at events, exhibitions and gigs and, and what Those have you. Those things that we used to do in
1: the, in the distant past, yeah. That's right,
0: exactly, but uh, it's good to see you and thanks for taking the time to have a little bit of a chat about your, well, about your musical journey and your artwork um, and what you've been up to over the years. And and so of course as I mentioned there you're these days you're known mainly for your your art and um, and for curating exhibitions um, punk and beyond beyond punk black black Christmas and uh, yeah,
2: yeah
0: exhibiting at Rebellion Festival and and lots of great galleries and things along the way and also cover art and we'll we'll cover some of these um, issues as we go along but let's start at the beginning what were your very first sort of musical memories you know growing up what was there sort of a something that sort of sparked you off on this musical journey? Something that you heard or saw, um, maybe something from your childhood that you remember? Anything that sort of stood out?
1: Well, the first thing I heard that was different, and it wasn't even the record, it was um, some older children in the playground in in Biddeford Park singing, She Loves You by the Beatles. And I thought, what's that? Because up until then, um, my uh, my mother used to listen to the radio with things like that, Never on a Sunday and uh, Rust Conway and things, it was stuff that I really found boring. And uh, so I'd never heard anything that quite as interesting as that. It was a bit like punk, you know, the first time you hear something. And yeah. What is yeah. that they're singing? And then I said to my parents, I want you to get me that. And then they me. I, I want to hold your hand, because uh, that would have come out by the time they went to basketball for the shots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so you of it was like an early Beatles tribute band then? <laughs> 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 sort of. OK, so, I mean, how did you find it? Did you go and ask them, what's that song you're singing? How did you sort of, um, or did you go up to your mum and say... Yeah, I want this. You to go into the record shop and sing this. I want to hold your hand.
1: I don't, I don't. I think I was too shy to ask them. I can't remember. I think I must have just, you know, then heard it cause it's quite an obvious um, title, isn't it? If it's a little soppy, and uh, yeah, I, I, I I'd soon found out, you know, one way or the other. My parents weren't you know, into pop music at all. So you just send them off. Oh, can you get me this? Can you get me that? Yeah. <laughs>
0: So it wasn't really a musical background or musical family?
1: No, no. Up until then, all I got was, um, you know, this, one of those little, um, little battery um, record players and a little, little red vinyl, I think there must have been seven inches, they looked even smaller. Things like Happy Trails you and, and things like that. And uh, my first black um, EP was the Fireball XL5 theme and I thought that was very sophisticated, getting a black one. <laughs> A bit, nah, I can remember all the words now and and the B side
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, that's that's becoming pretty cool now, isn't it? You know, I mean the, the great old uh, all those old TV shows. I mean now, sort of nostalgia, and that, they they've become really sort of collectible. You know, in fact, oh, yeah. I do I I do have. I must admit, I recently bought the reissue of the Thunderbirds. Soundtrack one, double blue vinyl. So, um, you know, it's oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not really like a guilty secret, or anything, is it? Oh but, no, no. Well, should we play that? I mean, I've got. Um, I mean, this was obviously Jerry and Sylvia Anderson's TV show, classic mm. TV show, which has now become real cult. Well, let's hear Don Spencer's version, Fireball XL Five.
3: fastest guy alive. I'd fly you around the universe in fireball XL5. Fire. Way out in space together, conquers of the sky. My heart would be a fireball, a fireball. Every time I And maybe very soon We'd cruise along the Milky Way And land upon the moon To a wonderland of stardust We'd zoom our way to Mars My heart would be a fireball
0: Well, I think that's a pretty cool first single.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, was that what is that this first record you bought with your own pocket money, or was it? So you...
1: No, I think that was I was too small to have pocket money then. So they got me that, and then I said, and then then, then the Beatles were the, the, was the revelation after that, and they, they had to buy me that as well.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> so, was there something that? Um, lured you into the sort of more the adult rock and roll you know the dark world of rock and roll was there something again that really used to you stand out that said oh you know i'm putting away my thunderbirds records and i want to get into this sort of this rock and roll action was there anything that you remember at the time sparking well
1: up? i just went <clears throat> full tilt into the beatles and uh, Later on, the the monkeys and uh, all those little uh, you know the songs that were around when I was like um, "Everlasting Love" by the Love Affair, and though that sort of era, the Move, uh, the Kinks, uh, Rolling Stones, and everything. I yeah. you was know, we used to go to youth club, you know, and uh, listen to you know play play each other's records and things, which was great. But...
0: Oh yeah, that, that the old record. I mean, I lost a lot of records at those sort of swapping sort of yeah. clubs and record clubs.
1: I remember I was, uh, they were, well, there were only three boys at youth Club, but one of them um, uh, swapped with me, uh, he had 19th Nervous Breakdown by the Rolling Stones, and he gave me that in exchange for, I think it might have been Fire Brigade by the Move.
0: Oh, great, yeah. (laughs) Great record, Funny
1: little things that you remember those years ago.
0: So you, you grew up in North Devon in Biddeford. Yeah. So, um, what was it like in the area? So you said you had a youth club. I mean, was there any sort of local music scene? Um, any sort of there local- were
1: there yeah. were local bands when they got to be about. 13 or so, um, in the what they call the, um, the I think it was all called the TA Hall and the um, Biddy for Key next to the art school that I subsequently went to. And there it, it was, it was one called Adolphus Rebirth. I can't remember half of their names, but a couple of bands from Torrington and they they play there. And they did they, they the same sort of like, you know, noodly guitar things like people do when they're <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, you know, it was it was fun to do. And discos as well. I remember there was one called the um, oh, what was it called, actually? No, the Morisco was in the, uh Oh, it's gone anyway. But we're in uh, Westwood Ho. And I remember um, Green Manalishi by Fleetwood Mac. They, they would play that and we'd all dance around to it thinking we were really sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Excellent. Were there many bands that used to come down and play, sort of big established bands? Where would, would they come down to the area?
1: Um, I think the first... Yeah, the first one, I, well, the first actually was, was, was a, a festival with the, the first famous band, and that was free. It mm. confused a lot the locals, so I think they thought they didn't have to pay for it, but it was, you know, <laughs> band free. <laughs> <laughs> free <festival. laughs> I think I was 14, it was uh, I think it might have been Woollookham or something. Went all the way on the back of this motorbike <laughs> with just a vest <laughs> and jeans on, and, and I remember freezing on the way back. There were four <laughs> local support bands uh, playing with them and uh, quite ha- how big the audience was I don't really remember I think it was a bit sort of hippie and yeah uh, yeah that was the first and then I think the other uh, first things I think Steve Peregrine took played uh yeah. not without Mark Boland at Barnstable Queens Hall as part of some special I don't know mm-hmm. festival thing um later on Hortwind they, they came as far as Barnstable and Edgar Broughton band and then later on still I'm jumping the Right the head now, but the Doctors of Madness would always make it to the West Country, and
0: uh... that was that's good because you actually so you were seeing some pretty cool bands at the time, you know. I mean, because Doctors of Madness were pretty much overlooked, I think, weren't they? And, and they were one of those bands just before punk that never wasn't really sort of pub rock, so it didn't quite get into the the sort of Doctor mm. Feelgood scene, and it, it you know, and obviously like Hawkwind had a big influence, I think, on on probably punk. Maybe you did might disagree. I don't know, but I think they had a their sort of weird sort of DIY aspect and everything. And yeah, yeah. But so, right. you know, so you had a lot of decent music down there, you know. Um,
1: mm. I mean, this is jumping right ahead, because I remember, um, you know, getting it. i still got my, my Doctor's Doctor Madness album that I bought there at the gig. You know, signed by all of them with a special extra signature on the back from Stoner, because I was learning to play my bass then. <laughs> he was ah. a bass player. <laughs> Excellent.
0: <laughs> So you've um, you picked one another bat a sort of record from this period which was Black Sabbath. Did, did they have a big influence on you at the time?
1: Well, I loved that first album when it came out. There was some um, older boys from Torrington, I think, that had a car and they'd come there and we'd all go down onto the, the boroughs, which is, that is sort of common land, the other side of the pebble ridge to the, the beach and uh, and listen, listen to that. And oh, it was just fantastic. I loved the cover as well. Still do, of course. Yeah. yeah so that, that, that turned me around a bit. You know, the sort of things like Led Zeppelin then as well and yeah you know, I didn't go as far as sort of Deep Purple particularly or some of those but um, then then sort of uh, Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart sort of took yeah. over a bit and the various related things to that so I've got I've gone round and round in strange yeah. directions <laughs>
0: <laughs> well shall we hear I mean you picked a classic track by Black Sabbath, mm. "Paranoid," which was is is one of those classics that everyone, when they first start off on the guitar or bass, learns to play, and um, it is it's a classic. so so let's hear "Paranoid." Yeah. Great track, and so then you went. You went down. You went to art school in in, in Devon, and then you followed that up and with technical college doing graphic design. Um, yeah. And then you met Tim TV Smith there in my third
1: year.
0: And then, but you did you actually form a start to formulate the idea for the band while you were down there? I mean, I know that you sort of formed the adverts as such when you moved up to London, but yeah, did you sort of start playing or rehearsing as a band down in Devon?
1: Not really. I mean, there, there was only the two of us, and he was um, teaching me his songs before, just before we moved to London. And uh, for quite a while, it was just the two of us, and we, we took a while get, to get other members. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I didn't sort of set out to form a band or bring about. Know, like, Tim's is the. the Driving force I always was, but
0: so you didn't. So there wasn't really any local musicians that you. There was just literally the two of you. You were the sort of um, the local punks yeah. at the time, and there, so there wasn't anyone really nearby that you felt empathy with that you could form another. Could form the band? No, with? no.
1: I mean, I'm not even sure we, we we called ourselves punks back then because we, we moved up in. Um, well, I finished um, college, and um, we, we moved up in May uh 1976 so um just, everything was just kicking off but we i think i might, might somehow have heard the pistols if they if they well they wouldn't have been on the radio would they so because that was one of the worst things about when you first moved up apart from the brilliance of being able to see the bands live but there's no records to listen to in between gigs
2: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: no, i mean it, i was i was mad on the stooges of course and um and the new york dolls yeah. When I was in college, so that kind of you know sort of obviously you know led yeah. into it, and like a lot of people.
0: So then you move, you both moved to London. You found out that there was this great scene of people that were again into New York Dolls and 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 sort of Stooges and that and.
1: Yes, well, well partly because you were just starting, and you, and I would get I get sounds. Melody Maker and Enemy every week, and we're looking at the gig listings, so torturing myself in the back pages, going, "Oh, I'd love to have been at that one and that one," <laughs> and so I couldn't wait to move up and stop going to them all.
0: Yeah. Did you move up with the intention of, of sort of let's, let's form a band and be part of this scene or did you sort of move to London and then find this all happening around you? and getting
1: it, sucked it, it, it was a plan before because uh, having got my diploma in graphic design, um, there wasn't really much in the way of interesting jobs down in the West Country. And uh, I always wanted to get moved back to London to, you know, for the music scene as well. So as yeah. soon as one could. <laughs> but, uh, I finally got a guitarist and a drummer, which was the, the, the longest wait. And, and we just happened to be in the right place at the right time.
0: Um, was there anything that influenced you to, to play bass um, you know often with I mean I was a bass player and it, often it's the case of like it's like everyone chooses the instrument and it's like the, the bass is often the last one it's like right you get the bass or it's easy to play there's only four strings, but other people have sort of come from it from a musical angle. Why did you decide on the bass? Was it something that was foisted on you, or you were sort of did you were you influenced to sort of by anything to sort of start and pick up the bass and play that?
1: It, it, it was just the, the thing that impressed me most at gigs is, is the sound of it and the sheer power and uh, the fact that it was there. It was doing the main riffs, you know. Well, you know, the, it wasn't doing noodly guitar solos or anything. <laughs> and i thought I, I want to do that i want to make a noise like that so yeah I, I was just drawn to it i didn't want to do anything too twiddly and and then yeah. you know i think i think um having lived through a bit of prog um i possibly didn't want to carry on in that vein <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's just the, the feel and the, the bass the sound of the bass more absolutely
1: than, yeah, yeah yeah
0: and that grabs you live more, more than anything
1: definitely yeah
0: yeah. Well, it's interesting, yeah, because I mean, I just recently did a, uh, another podcast with Inge Johansson, a Swedish bass player, who's he's played in some great bands. He was in International Noise Conspiracies, great bass mm-hmm. player. But he was mm-hmm. saying the same thing that, that the good thing about punk was suddenly that the bass was prominent. You know, you, you 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 suddenly had this so so many sort of um, great original bass players, and I know you said you didn't like the noodly stuff, but a lot of these bass players were playing noodly stuff. Like,
1: well, the, yes, I mean, um, John Jack Burnell, he was terribly You know, like, oh, i will just fa-, you know, be fascinated, and we'd see them really regularly, and to be staring. <laughs>
0: yeah. And and, and yeah, was there a particular strike? I mean, Jay Jabinell was an influence on a lot of bass players, obviously. And was there a particular song that you you like, that you can say this is this is one of my favorite examples of JJ's bass playing
1: well I was particularly taken with it what he would do on walk on by mm. and just, uh, just I'd just be going like this is so technical and, and be, oh, I like I could never really do that. I' have to try it but <laughs> 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 I didn't have the discipline but he just seemed to do it so effortlessly
0: Oh, he's a great uh, great bass player and uh, well it's here the strangler's version of walk on by <laughs>
4: the streets and I start to cry each time.
3: Say goodbye.
0: And, and you were a big fan of the Stranglers when you? you used to go and see them at the Nashville and in London. And yes, they,
1: they, they, they played there so regularly when we first moved up. And uh, it, it was within walking distance of Hammersmith, so uh, we didn't even have to scrape the money for a tube bed <laughs> together. Uh, yeah, I don't know how, how many times we would saw them. Uh, it was almost like they had a residency. It was like about once a week, it seemed like. I'm not sure what it was. I've still got a little badge that says I was a victim of the Stranglers uh, December 1976, which I'm
0: quite oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> and it was rumours that they gave you your name. Is that is that right? Is that all they well, said?
1: Yeah, because well, we, got, we got to know them and, they, and they, they sort of put me on the guest list because I just, I just used gay and I, I put me on the guest list as gay advert for identification purposes, I think, and that uh, was kind of, <laughs> of stuff. <style. laughs>
0: well, I mean, it must have been quite violent. There was obviously, especially around the Stranglers, I mean, the, the, the gigs at the time, what was it like going up from... I don't def-
1: remember any trouble at, at the Stranglers gigs. Yeah. Um, Nashville, it was always a bit too crowded to. But I, I don't think I ever saw a fight. The only violence I'd ever see was with Ted's, like, marauding the streets, yeah. <laughs> attacking punks. Yeah,
0: it's always just seems such a sort of a aggressive. Atmosphere at the time, you know, of uh, some of those shows when you see the footage and
1: yeah, but it's, somehow it, it wasn't. I, don't, I, don't I mean, I actually used to sit on the carpet at the front in front of the, the Stranglers gigs sometimes because you know, in Nashville, you could, you know, in fact, I remember seeing the Stranglers at the 100 Club quite early on and they would have like two rows of you know, fold up seats at, at the front because <laughs> uh, we were sitting, sitting there in, in the seats and uh, Hugh came up to me beforehand and he said, he said. Uh, is it, can I do something to you? And while we're on, I'm not sure what yet. But you know, well, well, you know, during the gig, you know, just for sort of effect. And I, okay, so I'm sitting there. Yeah, you know, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> he just pretend to strangle me, you know. mock like, oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, violence. Then you know, that's uh, <laughs> It was all for effect. You know. Yeah. So the adverts then, you know, started to make a name for themselves on the scene, you know, and then you got signed to Stiff Records so it was for your, yeah. your first single. How did you get in touch with with Stiff? I mean, did you have a, um, did you sort of manage yourself, and did you go and hustle and, around the record labels, or?
1: I think it, we didn't have a manager. He was um, Brian James from the dam. Um, told Jake Riviera about us, and and uh, he came down to see us at the Rock I think and signed us up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a classic single, isn't it? And um, that was one chord Wonders. And straight away, you're you're sort of forced centre stage, you know, your picture's right on the cover, a classic cover.
1: Yes, that was a horrible shock. <laughs>
0: See, this, this is one of those things, isn't it, as a, as a as a music fan, that you sort of wonder when bands say, like, it happened with you, that, well, you know, I, we didn't want the cover. It wasn't the cover we wanted. And it's like, well, sh- you never seem to understand, from an, from an outsider's point of view, how a band can let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We
1: didn't. It was there. It was there, done and dusted by the time we saw it. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I refused to be on the second single. Yeah. so <laughs> Only numbers to make to, to compensate. This is a picture of my bass in its case
0: in the back. I mean, it is a classic sort of cover, you know, by Barney Bubbles, but I mean, yeah. it, it, looking at it, it's, I mean, I was looking at the different, some of his artwork and that, and it actually looks like a, it's a pastiche of a, of a 60s record by Barbara, you know, which is a very, I don't know if you've seen that, it's a very similar cover, so it's okay. almost like he's taken that record Mm-mm. and used the style of it and used your picture. Mm. So a it's, it's a pretty cool sleeve, you know, but, you know, I can not mm. imagine that. It, and it obviously it did cause a little bit of friction with with the band, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watched, looking at the documentary We Who Wait about the adverts and Tim says, oh, yeah. TV Smith says in it that he didn't want it, but he, he sort of admits that it was good for the band because in a strange way, you know, it did probably help push the band to a certain, to a certain extent, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, well, you know, I mean, not appreciated it at the time, but retrospectively. Funnily enough, years later, um, Pure Evil, the the artist, um, yeah, wanted, um, you know, he, he made a thing about doing drippy eyes, and it was kind of did the first, he said, he said I, I want to do a picture of you with, with drippy eyes, cause, black metal eyes, he said, because uh, I'd gone round to his gallery to ask if, if he could give me any clues for sponsorship for the art show I was putting on to get, you know, some booze, and... Uh, And he said, "Oh, I'm going to do a painting," and so he he did the version of that with the with the drippy eyes, and and, then said it was okay for me to let me use it for my um, Facebook picture, which has kind of come full circle.
0: Oh yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say I noticed that you are using that, but because it is an iconic (laughs) image, you know, I know there might have been a bit of friction about it, but it it certainly did.
1: And I've kind of turned it around now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Getting your revenge, you know. Yeah, I, I, it's a great, great record, and and it sort of, it's, I think probably for, for your first single, you know, got such a, a lot of attention. You know, were you surprised at how it how it took off so quickly?
1: Oh, it's a great single, and we were actually called one Wonders at the time when we started doing it. Yeah, which was a pretty good, <laughs> descriptive name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean the first album Crossing the Red Sea with the is has, has become a, again a, a sort of classic punk album you know it is, mm. it's all great. and uh, and you've chosen your favorite track or teenagers tell us a little bit about this this song
1: it's just amazing energy and and it was great fun to play you know, and uh, it was just so full full pelt that that you just got caught up in it you know if i was if it was another band and i was in the audience i would you know no, i like this one <laughs> We were bored t- with teenagers when we started doing it. And, uh, you know, in fact, we were 21 when it was no time to be 21 and things. So it's kind of a <laughs> I mean,
0: it is a, it's a, it's a great record. And like I said, it, it just, it's bursting with energy, isn't it? You know, it just comes yeah. up with the speakers. And, and uh, well, I mean, that, let's play that. Let's play the adverts and Bored Teenagers.
4: we took it into corners, finding ways to fill a vacuum. We're talking, hope to hit on something new Tides that growin' tracks, some way to revive, but no way to relax We're just born teenagers, no love, she'll say it, national ranges. We're sitting watching the planes burn up through the night Like meteorites
0: Obviously, there, there are some fantastic photos of you at the time, you know, with um, Joey Ramone, John Jett, Lemmy, who you know you seem to become really close with. And, and you were saying earlier that although the media and the music press were, were pretty patronising towards you, you, you did seem to get a lot of support from your sort of contemporaries, especially.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I was quite, you know, sociable. I was like, you like you know, got on well with everyone. And and Lemmy was always around because he was kind of like an honorary punk and, and he'd be just everywhere. And So, yeah, and he, he lived in West London as well. So we'd, uh, you know, bump into him there. I came home one night and he was on the doorstep and uh, we stayed up all night with his teacher. We had to play bow to head on the bass. But <laughs> 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 spent all night, got it perfect. I mean, But a week later, I'm like, oh, how did that go? <laughs> But of course the first time I met him was when I, I think Hawkwind played in, in Exeter Uni and, and me and my boyfriend of the time hitchhiked up there and spent ages getting there and went out to buy a ticket and they said you have to be a student, we'll be signed in, we'll be friends with the student. <laughs> so we were hanging around outside looking forlorn and then the band came along and he said, oh come in with us, so they, they got us in free, which is great.
0: Oh great! So you got to know him even before before the advert. Yeah.
1: yeah. And only getting that briefly that day. But yeah, it was just funny. It's like a sign of what was to come, really. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was a, a, a you know really inf- not just in music, but he seemed to be such an influential figure, you know, and, and very supportive. Yeah. I mean, I know my colleague and you know rock photographer Paul Slattery mm-hmm. said me really that Lemmy was the one that got him involved in that <laughs> in the rock and roll yeah. lifestyle as such, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, but uh, You've got a lot
1: of people involved in the rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 well, I'll tell you what, should we, shall we slip in Motorhead? Yes. By yes. Motorhead? Lovely. then one of my favorite images of of you uh, um is a a classic tour poster of the damned and the adverts you know where it's the the damned can play three chords the adverts can play one here all four on tour and then it's got the list of dates and venues underneath it and there's a picture in Dave vanian i mean it's it's becoming like again an iconic picture isn't it with the t-shirts and posters and
1: yeah yeah.
0: so i mean were you big friends with the damned and what was it like touring with them
1: we were, we were doing an endless tour with them it was a very very long tour as you can tell, well, i'm not sure the, the dates on that poster were the same because being early early punk days things would get cancelled things would get rearranged so um you can't really rely on most of the gig lists for, for we, yeah. we're authentic what we actually did but yeah that, that's the photo somebody'd taken at, at one of the gigs because when they do neat 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 for the encore and i'd go on and, and sing the chorus with them and yes. so uh it was, uh, I've people saying to me, like, were you, were you biting him? Like, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Shouting. <laughs> my backing vocals. <laughs> Was there anyone else that you toured with that you particularly enjoyed playing with or that you had a great time on tour with?
1: Oh, a high point was uh, with the we, we supported Iggy Pop for the, the UK tour for Lust for Life. Wow. Uh, which, I, lo- I love that album anyway and I nice. was just, magic. Getting so get to see Iggy every night after we came off.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Was that the one with David Bowie on keyboards? Is that the, that tour when he... Uh,
1: no, no, I think he was just afterwards. It was Scott Thurston who was on, actually in the early Stooges and Metallic mm. KO I think he was on.
0: So what so was Iggy like was, at the time?
1: He, he was great but um, you're quite, quite sort of like erratic you know we'll be oh like come around come we'll, we'll, we'll go and, and do something and then suddenly like be, oh no no I'm never no, going to do
0: this because <laughs> that was at the height of his sort of the Berlin time wasn't it was he was he difficult or was, was he sort of how did he treat you as a support band
1: oh I he's mean, great I mean if his first words were like I've been mean, looking forward to meeting you and I went ah that's my line <laughs> 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 I mean because of all the badges I used to wear like Iggy. yeah
0: <laughs> well pick a couple of um your favorite iggy tracks then we can we can play mm, yes we're gonna have um, well you've chosen lust for life and tonight which are great records from the lust for life album so uh, let's hear those yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the, the energy that you capture on that debut album and those those early singles, and then your second album is a bit of a departure from that, isn't it? And I know it didn't really get a, a lot of praise at the time. I mean, you brought in um, a keyboard player and the production was, was a bit... Sounds, I think it's now it sounds a little bit dated, the production. Mm-hmm. Um, but the energy had gone a little bit. You know, Did you find that transition from to the second album difficult?
1: Well, I mean, obviously Tim wrote all the songs and it was... He was, he was the, the, the main the main songwriter, music arranger and everything, and he, he decided he wanted something more polished, I think, and you know, more accomplished, and he brought in Tim, Tim Cross on keyboards, and it was more sort of tracking and things like that. I mean,
0: there's some great songs on it, you know, and it's it's now being revisited, mm. isn't it? I mean, I know that, mm. um, you know, Henry Rollins and Ian McKay of Fugazi and that, they've, yeah. they've got on record as saying it's a great record, and I think people... Even like myself are going back and listening to the songs, and it's almost like you strip away that production, and there's there's some great tracks. I mean, I mean, what did yeah. you think at the time? Were you really proud of it, or did you think it was? Did you know it was going to get a bit of a mixed reaction? Or
1: I don't know. It was. Um, I, I still like the songs. I mean, playing on, on wheels and songs like that, and it's it, it, perfectly enjoyable. Yeah, but um I don't know. It all. I think by then we'd been signed up by RCA, and it was all getting a bit. Eat more out of, out of our hands because, uh, you know, I mean, the cover of that was just abysmal. They they persuaded everybody to put makeup on and they said it was going to look arty or something. And then, <laughs> yeah, you <know, and> <laughs> it's just dreadful.
0: They might have been ahead of the game because it's almost like a new romantic album, isn't it? You know, it, oh,
1: <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I nothing the- ever persuade me to like that record cover. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I mean they should they should repackage it with a different cover you know yes uh, yes maybe a, <laughs> maybe a remix or something should be done you know but cuz so the songs <laughs> songs are great and I say cast of thousands great record yeah but- The advert sort of um, finished or late 1979. Uh, what was the reasons behind, behind the split? Was it mainly because the second album didn't get the reaction you wanted?
1: Well, probably that's why uh, things we did. You know, we weren't, we weren't getting so many sales or record sales, and so many gigs. And the, well, the Howard, the guitarist, just didn't turn up one day never came back. I think he's getting disillusioned that he hadn't you know, sort of got more famous. You know, we started off going going up sort of steep, <laughs> upward curve and then sort of even, and, and didn't really sort of go anywhere else. And he was impatient about that. And, um, and then I think the first drummer was sacked and then we got Rod Latter and then he was sacked as well. I think, and then we had uh, a couple of brothers, um, uh, uh, the Martinez brothers, and uh, I think there was some friction with them and Tim Cross. Mm-hmm. So basically, there was only me and Tim left really from yeah. uh, as, as the, the band, and then so he wanted to go on to do something more, you know,
0: sophisticated, and uh, yeah, and
2: that
0: was it. Yeah, and you didn't, and then and since then, you 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 didn't you put the bass away and and, and didn't play. Uh, what, have you have you never been t- tempted to sort of play? with I mean, did you have any offers, for example, when after the adverts did anyone come up to you and say, "Hey, gang, come and play bass for us"?
1: Yeah, but I've i, I to I just leave. Well, I get oh, I'm too old now, and this 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 is what I was thinking from like mid twenties. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're in a, you know you a punk band, it, you, you, if you're out your teens, it was like you're over the hill half the time, and you know, I was one of the youngest. And everybody, everybody else seemed to be older than me. And uh, these days, uh, sort of somehow, <laughs> most of my friends are younger than me. How did that happen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where things have changed now. And um, uh, it's like when I when I was younger going to gigs, if you saw someone older or with no hair or bald, or I mean, you mm. would with, with a suit on at a gig, you know, you'd there'd be an object of ridicule, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, of course, it's the other way around. You know, every you know most of the gigs that I go to, they have all people with bald heads like me and um
1: yes absolutely yeah it's uh my 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 father actually who was bald um came to see us in Plymouth on the dam tour yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, it really wasn't his sort of thing, and he—he he, he felt drunk. He'd had half a lager all night because he didn't drink, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he said he was deaf for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> but he, he was really proud, you know, to, to see it. And he said, he said, well, as he was driving off afterwards. Captain Sensible was hanging out of the dressing room window, going, I goes dad."
0: Oh, there goes one proud dad, you know. Obviously, you know you've got a lot of attention for your look and your looks, and I suppose it's a double-edged sword in a way, isn't it? But um, yeah, in a way, looking—I mean, knowing you now and and obviously seeing some, looking back at some of the performances, you—it wasn't like you wanted to hog the limelight, was it? I mean, you, you often like top got of front, from it. Yeah. I mean, even on top of the pops of that, you know, alive, you, you can hardly—you're right at the back, hidden away.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: it, it must—it must have been sort of. Um, a sort of a strange time for you because you know there was a lot of attention on you from the music press
1: yeah I never I never really had the urge to sort of perform anyway in front of people especially with the gobbing I just what to hide behind the PA and play so <laughs> <just right here.
0: laughs> I see that's why you were sort of right at the back <laughs> Another reason, yeah. <laughs> but I'm 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 doing a. I just read a book called Girlsville, which is um, by Saskia Holling, which um, she's going to be my next special guest, and um, this is a book about the the Medway. Billy Childish is seen in the Medway, and and, and mm-hmm. sort of, but the girl bands, uh, you know, the Delmoners and the E-Head Headcoats, mm. that don't get a lot of credit. You know, I mean, they were doing sort of um, sort of that sort of garage rock. In, in the sort of mid-80s probably mm. and in the book she's looking at the attitude at the time to some of the female musicians and some of the reviews that she's come out are absolutely appalling I mean they're, they're, you mm. know, they're cringeworthy the way they're, they're I mean even some, from some journalists that quite respected journalists that sounds Enemy are writing really derogatory reviews about women in rock and, mm. and this is in the 80s um, yeah oh god yeah. so at the time what was it was it was it quite upsetting reading some of the things about it's the just, band or? it
1: was a bit unfair really I, mean, I didn't ask the Woman, um, and I just wanted to be the bass player, and, and uh, you know they, they just sort of picked on me. The other, and my contemporaries were fine, you know, other other, other people in bands, but it was the, it was the journalists that were, very, you know, it really really, you know, you, you just felt like. You didn't um, you know, miss a note because everyone would go, Oh, yeah, it's you,
0: isn't it? Yeah, I suppose they wouldn't take people seriously for, for playing, isn't it? I mean, that's the sort yeah. of really, if so, I, I suppose, was one of the reasons why you stopped playing music after the adverts finished. Is that am I right in that? Is that yeah, is that, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: which is sad, isn't it? So that it really just, I suppose, the enjoyment wasn't there, you know, the, the fact, yeah, it?
1: yeah. And it's you know, carrying on just playing bass on my own would be a bit old, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was a bit, I needed a bit of a break.
0: Well, let's end our little look at the adverts um, by giving you the opportunity to choose another one of your favourite tracks to close that particular chapter. And, and which track would you pick?
1: I think the Greybridge Mistake because I'd always enjoyed playing that live and also it reminds me of a very good uh, pun by, done by Mr Tom Crossley from the Phobics where on my birthday one year, a couple of years ago we were going for an Italian in my favourite cheapo place and uh, the manager commented on how many of us there were and i said i happened to mention it was my birthday and then a bit later halfway through the meal, and um, the lights went down this music struck up and happy birthday to you and the waiters came in with cake with candles blazing <laughs> and i thought oh well i didn't actually want a cake but well you know it's quite quite funny and so so um didn't think anything more of it took for about a few minutes and then suddenly saw these disgruntled looking girls on the next table and the, the candles did actually say 26 and I'm clearly a bit older than that so <laughs> yeah. it was whisked away again oh, no. and, uh, and then Tom referred to it afterwards as the great British fist cake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh good old Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if there were prizes um for the best adverts related pun, then yeah, Tom Crossley would uh, would win that hands down. So uh it's a great <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well let's let's hear it. Let's hear the great British Mist Cake. <laughs> People seem to think that you disappeared from from music. You you sort of started DJing, didn't you, next rather than playing live. Oh, it
1: was it was it was a big long gap. I mean, yeah, I, I pretty much took the '80s off. I think mm. I went to a, about you can count the number of gigs I went to. Probably on one hand, that might have been Jesus Mary Chain, um, or maybe the Remains, or something. Oh, are they still going? So I was that? I was that? You know, with, <laughs> and then gradually I started getting more more and more into it. But it took decades to really work up to that. And mm. I never intended to you know, that was set out to be DJing, you know, people would just say, Will, will you do that? And all right, I'll give it a go.
0: <laughs> so was it just a case of there people inviting you to play at parties at first and
1: Uh the, the landlord of the mucky pup in Islington he asked me if I'd um I think first of all just uh, present the quiz. So I did that a couple of times you know, intro rounds and things and you know I didn't have to make up all the questions, just a couple of mm. hands uh, so we'd just read them out and then uh then I was DJ and then um, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that, I was that was, I was doing pretty much black metal, then. he got he he's he quite quite up for that. So, but I, I played punk songs in the quiz, you know, when it was like yeah, punk related ones. But
0: so then this is when you got into sort of the, the, the black metal side of things, and and even this this is quite interesting for me because you, you, some of the songs I said, oh, well, you know, what sort of records do you like to play when you're DJing, and you've one of them you've chosen is Mayhem, which. <laughs> You know, I mean, for me, well, is it, is it a, I don't know. It's not particularly a dance track, maybe for my. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a brilliant song. The way it opens, actually, and and the way I, <coughs> where I came to be doing that was I'd gone to the um, Inferno Festival in Oslo, which is for extreme metal, and, and uh, uh, the, the the promoter said, "Will you will you DJ and, on on the boat trip?" And I went, "Well, I haven't brought the laptop." I, I think So the night before, we'd it's a, one of the one of the staff lent me a laptop, and we went through and got a Spotify playlist together. And I thought, and I just thought, this is hilarious. I'm sort of like to coast to Newcastle, you know. I am playing Norwegian music to Norwegian people on a on a boat going around. <laughs> and people were going, oh, that's really good music. Said, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did another one at the um, um, uh, the Hobgoblin Stroke Dev in in Camden, you know, near the near the tube, and. That was fun. It was an all day with lots of bands on and things. Mm.
0: Well, let's hear Mayhem and, and Freezing Moon and, and we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide whether this is a, this is a floor filler. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, can, you can fade it out if you like, but the, end, the beginning is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you've chosen another um scandinavian band for your next oh, yes. dj pick which um i can sense there's a lot i mean you, you know me I, I i'm really into my scandinavian music as well with the soundtrack of our lives international noise conspiracy all these bands so mm. i love i love scandinavian music and you've picked a great band crazy band tell us about your next choice as one of your dj picks
1: well this this time it was i was um the I was DJing at Death Disco in, in Notting Hill Arts Club. Uh, Alan McGee used to put this um, light on, and Chris McCormack, you know, from, well, he's in Professionals now, said, why don't you do it? You know, they give you free drinks all night. So I went, oh, OK. And uh, so I put this one together. And because I was a fan of Turbo Negro and a couple of my friends going as well, and we'd all been on the boat trip that they'd done, and give, give them, like, we were given sailor hats when we got on the boat. <laughs> so... <laughs> their songs in and when it would put one on we put our sailor hats on (laughs) andy p from fearing loathing fanzine like a gay black (laughs) disco
0: i mean they're they're a crazy band aren't they they're they're a a great act and uh, and (laughs) which which track have you picked
1: are you ready for some darkness it's a track of that one
0: So we mentioned at the beginning that you, you know studied graphic design and um and now you're concentrating on your art yes. as a proud owner of some of your work myself you know i can say there's a yeah. uh, eclectic mix of styles that you've got you know from resin work you know badges brooches um all sorts of um sometimes quite unsettling images um
1: yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lots of sort of um you know skulls bones and Creepy yeah. dolls and toys. Oh, and...
1: Over the years, I've tried to get away from skulls, but it's such a universal symbol, and I just, it it's still best attracts me. That.
0: And, and I think um, it's, it's, it's quite like an occult influence on your work.
1: Well, it can be if I'm listening to stuff like that, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've grown up with you know loving horror films and things, so things just creep in. Sometimes I'll you know be trying to do something nice, like I did you know, my death rose. I, I did a rose into mm. a rose, and then it, it sort of like got a sort of charcoal skull it sort of turned into a, <laughs> it, it, insinuated itself behind. Too so, it's yeah.
0: it's much mayhem, I think.
1: <laughs> but I do like the um, you know the juxtaposition of the, the you know the. the over nice than the over nasty and the yeah, uh, really really controlled things and totally wild things and so it's all about juxtaposition really I suppose
0: yeah and then obviously there's the things like evil squirrel and uh, oh yes yeah classic yeah. and and I think but there's also you know there's some some beautiful stuff like your stained glass flowers that are just. I'm look. I'm looking for something nasty to come out, but they, they're they're just beautiful, you know. There's nothing. You know, so, so there's lots of different styles there, you know. And yeah, yeah. Was there anyone in particular that influenced you and your artwork? Where do you? Is it something?
1: Well,
0: that- I, I, I love William
1: Blake, Goya. um women surrealists. Well, mostly the women like Leonor, Leonora Carrington and Remedios Varo, and like those people that you know. They were fantastic. I've got his book uh, which was the, um, the the one the when the second world war they they were like leonora carrington and some of the other ones moved to america and she well, she moved to mexico and and there's a fantastic scene there and they just came up with some brilliant stuff and such imagination
2: yeah.
1: and of course um you know garden of earth the is um possibly the you know the painting that sticks in your mind from one's youth uh
0: yeah and it's um it's you know it's affordable art as well you know i mean you're you're, you're sort of doing stuff which is which is accessible to everybody and uh, mm. Great mix of stars, and I'll, I, you've also got your like the memorabilia section where you're using some great pictures. Again, I've got a lovely one. There's you on stage, and, and then there's one of Iggy Pop, for example, Ramones. I think you've used, and and
1: yeah. Well, I because I, I didn't, you know, I haven't got that much memorabilia of my own, but I think. What I've got, uh, people hadn't seen before, and when it for when it was supposed to be the, the you know the 40th anniversary, and also it was Rebellion Festival's anniversary gig as well. So up that year I I did that series of ten, you know, to mark that, um for the Rebellion Art Show, and, and so it's it's got I've got Iggy Pop's dog collar, and my Ramones baseball bat, uh, yeah. and things like that, and uh, uh, actually at the moment there's a museum starting up in Las Vegas, so they they're asking. Know if they can loan things and maybe you know have the memorabilia ones in, in series in there as well. So um, yeah, just you've got quite a lot on at the moment.
0: Yeah, and you've done some exhibitions overseas as well, haven't you? In in Holland, did you do recently?
1: Yeah. Oh yes, I would. Yes, that that was when the lockdowns all just just, just starting last year. In fact, some of my work still in in the Netherlands. I was... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did a really it was really I had a solo show in the Hague, year. Um, February uh I've I, I've had work in shows you know like America and Germany and people bought it in Japan and places so it's quite quite nice that it's Great. moving around
0: <laughs> and tell us where we can find out more about your artwork
1: oh by, almost most of my stuff is on my website which is uh, gayblack.co.uk it's just gayblack black one word so, yeah yeah it's, a, it's a, a really good site actually my friend uh, Eric's a web designer mm. and uh, yeah, he just um, kindly did it for me and, yeah, It's, it's pretty it's... updated, so, yeah, when people say, what do you do, oh, I'll have a look.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll do a feature at RetroManBlog.com. Uh, I'll, I'll do a special feature to go along with this podcast, and I'll obviously put all the links to where you can yeah. check out some of um, Gay's excellent artwork. You've also been a curator of um, some great exhibitions. and uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, Because I like the fact that when you have your opening nights and, and sort of launch parties, you always have some great special guests coming along.
1: Yes, okay. yeah.
0: And funny enough, one of the bands that we were talking about, I was actually in my local record shop this morning, Sounds of the Suburbs in um, Rice Slip. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to the great guy, Tony, who says hello to you. Okay. And he, uh, we were chatting about the Phobics because he's got like Phobics t shirts for sale there. And I thought, I oh, you, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to be playing the Phobics a bit later on. And um, played them on the podcast a lot and seen mm-hmm. them play and photographed them. And, um, and you're big friends of the Phobics as well. And yeah. they appeared at one of your launch parties yeah uh great band you know how did you get to know the phobics
1: um actually i became aware of tom uh as he's a, a friend of uh, andy from fear and loathing fanzine and i i think i should think oh the guy with the walter lure badge because <laughs> <laughs> i i thought it's a heartbreak because it walter lure. <laughs> so, yeah so we, we you know like we're all going to gigs together and just got, got to know them more and then yeah really lovely people so
0: so they give us one of your favorite. I mean, I love the, this this album, uh, the pho- the Phobics, and um, give us one of your favorite tracks by them. We can play. Uh, well,
1: the the last, uh, last well, not the, not the newest album, but the one before it was uh, they did a song called "When You're Dead," and I really like that one, and uh, it's really sort of punky and rocky, and, uh, and they don't always do it. Cause it's it's, it's tads slower than some of the other ones, and uh, but they, you know, they would always do it for me when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so it's
0: nice to hear it there. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's nice or not, isn't it? This, well, I like to dedicate this one to gay black. This is when you're dead. <laughs> my choice, <laughs> actually, my second favorite is
1: Die Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a great track by the phobics when you're dead fantastic band mm. yeah and i said this, your exhibitions were, were were great and hopefully you'll be getting back to doing them in the future i don't know i mean with this i know lockdown is easing if, obviously we can't go anywhere at the moment but are there any plans afoot are you sort of working on anything for the future any other mm,
1: at the moment i've just been being in um like art scenes and things um you know, features in that like Punk Girl Diaries, um, things like that. Um, I'll be doing an interview upcoming with Sweet Art. That, that's a sort of like an artist collective. Hmm. I've just been asked to um, uh, edit, um, guest edit uh, 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 an art scene in, uh, in the art later on in the year for um, Hot Gallery in, in the Hague. You're looking for a few other artists to take part. Uh, so um, yeah, i would be, I'll be good, fun because I like choosing you know things for people Funny enough I've, I've already got one in mind because jow head oh yeah maps he's 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 such a yeah you know, enthusiastic artist musician he's so varied and um, so i've uh, yeah i was just talking to him at the time and i would said oh you'd be a good person for this so i've got him lined up and now i can just sort of work on a few more people to do oh, it
0: excellent so you mentioned jow head there and he's also performed at one of your opening nights which was great and there was even someone playing a musical saw how long i remember that it was a great oh yeah
1: yeah katherine gerbrands is her name yeah, yeah she's, she's great kathy
0: and and you've had uh, lots of, of great uh, special guests and, and some of the artwork I, mean, I remember the first one i went to you know i was really impressed by the caliber of your contributions you know you had artwork from thurston moore jamie yeah. reed billy childish paul Simonon, even there mm. and, Charlie Harper, some some great sort of um, Robert Pollard from Guided by Voices, Grant mm-hmm. Hart, Husker Du. Mm. Uh, it's um, some 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 sort of great musicians and artists there. So
1: yeah, I know it's really very
0: lucky. I mean, how how do you contact these people? How do you go about sort of getting them involved?
1: Um, I think um, Henry Rollins. I asked Henry um, for a contact for Thurston to start with. Uh, a lot of it was word of mouth by by friends like Andy fear and thing or. Um, other people in the scene would say oh did you know so and so does this so then you know I go oh, okay yeah you know I'll just get a contact for them and contact them and, and see what they do it was really interesting I mean people like uh, Robin Hitchcock I, I really liked his work and he was local as well so we'd meet up in um, High Road Brasserie in Chiswick you know, <laughs> you know so that he's showing his pictures and things and that uh,
0: oh his artwork is great as well he does some of the album covers you know
1: absolutely and well a lot of them were um all of them obviously and uh youth from killing joke you know um he just started doing some painting i mean an artist friend was was and funnily enough he his first band um supported the adverts on a little tour back early on um, because he was called youth yeah because when I when I when I asked him if he'd do it, and he said, "You were always really nice to me when you know, back when I was a kid in that band." Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean, there they were there's some, some great exhibitions, and um, yeah, but Grant was,
1: Hart came over specially.
0: Yes, um, I remember yeah. seeing Grant Hart um, at one of your opening night parties. He was there, wasn't he? And you, you always had yeah, some,
1: yeah.
0: And we mentioned sort of some of the special guests you've had: Knox and Vibrators, Charlie Harper. Yeah. Yeah, Doing shows uh, Knox uh, and
1: Charlie have uh, uh, played solo there. I remember because it was in uh, the Paul Street signal, and and uh, as Charlie was um, singing, that, that the hot water pipes above his head would, would like drip condensation. <laughs> he said afterwards, I thought I was having a hot flush, but it was the water dripping down from the <laughs> down his back.
0: <laughs> oh, that was that was a that was a great night when when Knox and Charlie played, and then because yeah. I think the yeah. UK subs were playing that night, weren't they, or was it all soon after that? Uh, I
1: did, can't we go, now. did we not
0: go to the gig to see them? I was like, I can't remember now. But uh,
1: oh, I expect so. There's um, yeah. there so many of them.
0: You've, you've chosen a band here which appeared live at one of your shows. So let's have your dream guest. So let's say if you wanted to have a, this a bit of fun. Your your dream opening act at one of your launch parties, and then give us a pick of. Um, one of your favorite bands that has actually played at one of your launch parties,
1: right? Well, I think when I thought about that, the dream one would be, say, the Ramones, because that would be quite a dream, wouldn't it? With them all coming back to life again, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> <laughs> and they could be supported by everybody else that's died that was in bands. That I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yes. Uh, but the 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 band that uh, that did play at my my Black Expos uh, gig, which was great fun, was the Men That Will Not Be Blamed for Nothing. And, uh, they're great friends as well. So it was a social event to go and see them.
0: Well, let's hear a little double hit of that. Let's hear Ramones and Teenage Lobotomy and yeah. The Men That Will Not Be Blamed For Nothing and Victoria's Secret. yeah right. I love the lyrics to that Victoria Secret. Yeah, <laughs> <a> great track. <laughs>
1: I've got such imagination. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so you mentioned the Ramones were, were one of your favourites and a big influence on you. Um, any other records that have had a sort of important meaning for you over the years? Big impact on you. <sighs>
1: many um there's so many being so old uh, there's so many sort of different different periods to choose from it's difficult to balance them out isn't it um difficult i mean that iggy w- was was a was a you know big big thing there that like the stooges when you know when, when i first heard that album at uh, art college you just thought i really got to get more of this somehow mm.
0: well pick one of your favorite uh, stooges tracks then too.
1: um yeah <laughs> so um yeah the, the stooges were a, were a huge influence um you know turned me round into what would become punk and the search and destroy from raw power is, is one of the most energetic ones and really sort of it, it always gets a adrenaline going whatever whatever's happening
0: well let's hear that then let's hear the classic yeah, search yeah. and destroy by the stooges You said you're still into going out to gigs, and I, I'm always bumping into at various shows. And yeah. and what sort of other contemporary bands are you are you into?
1: Oh, well, at the moment, uh, well, I mean I like the Cyanide Pills. They're a they're, they're a really nice modern sort of punk band, and uh, the the briefs I was very fond of too. Ooh. Well, I still am. I mean they still they still play. Um, then again, the, the, the darker side. There's a, a band that I think, well, to, to, to my ears, they're quite accessible because they're very. They have really nice melodies weaving in that. There's mwa it's spelled M G L A. It's published for folk apparently. But I I just love them. They they don't look at no nothing to look at, but. Uh, just, just I get to get transfixed by the way that the one riff goes in and then another one and they're, they're just completely like five like stocky Polish blokes like wearing black hoodies black face coverings and black trousers and they just stand there dead still just <laughs> playing that crazy you know so just like their hands are like blurs and, and, and it's just yeah, I don't know what it, what it is about it. I'm interested to hear other people's views if they if they listen to it. Actually, there's a a band that Savage Pencil um, introduced me to because he he just been you know he gets, gets given a lot of records to um, review and it was called Echtra E C H T R A and it's very sort of slow and quiet but it's it's really beautiful. It's just two tracks per per album and. Uh, it, so, so, just so lovely late in the evening to listen to mm-hmm. that. Well, I played it to a friends that you know, weren't, weren't into anything but punk, and they, you know, it's gone down really well. Oh, a place to bury strangers. Uh, yes, I, I got into them in a very weird way. It was I think it was like before New Year's Eve. I was watching I was at home alone watching a slasher movie, and I and I'd suddenly become aware of the the, the track that was playing behind it, and uh, so I just froze the end credits and went back and forth. And oh yeah, a place to bury strangers. So I, Got the but and I, you know, but by, by about three AM when I went to bed, I'd ordered three CDs. <laughs> 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 oh, I like that one too. And then, and that was that was uh, funny because I was saying to everyone, "Oh, I really like this band. Check them out." And then they finally, because they're American, they finally they they, they sound like the Ameri- you know Jesus Mary Chain. Sound like they they want to be American. Well, these, these ones are. <laughs> and uh, and um, so so they were finally doing the gig over here, and. Uh, and I went, oh, yeah, we got tickets and everything. And then the night before, <laughs> I fell over and fractured my ankle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't go. I was going to go. I'd got Alvin from the sub staying over. And uh, and uh, I, my face was all like, My lips were all split. <laughs> <laughs> the <face>. oh, no. <laughs> and went, you, you can't go to a gig. I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so uh, I had to miss it, really. And, uh, and so the next time they played, I was doubly... Happy
0: to see him. Oh, excellent! So, well, that's 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 good. Let's let's uh, hear a place to bury strangers. And your choice was. Uh, I know I'll see you.
1: And that was first,
0: the one in the film. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> great. Well, let's hear that one. And then, uh, first of all, let's hear Cyanide Pills and the great track. Yes. Fantastic sense of humour. Suicide <laughs> Bomber. Or I'm in love <laughs> with Suicide Bomber. Yes. So to play us out on, um, this is a free hit for you. Let's just um, pick, uh, pick one of your favourite tracks.
1: Oh so for for uh, finally, I think it'd be nice to hear um, UK subs because uh, with this past year, I haven't seen a sub all year. <laughs> Usually they come and go like nobody's business. So, uh, yeah, a bit of Warhead would be nice.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, it's a great, uh, great bass line, of course, one of those classics. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody learns a bass too. I did, and <laughs> <laughs> when I first i met paul slack i did a show for uh him supporting the members and he when he was in a band called moniker and explosions and he, he had the bass that he wrote warhead on and of course i had to have a go on it you know and, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a lovely guy and um and he mentioned elvin gibbs another who replaced um paul in the sub another great bass player <laughs> funnily enough both of them live in france you know so yeah you've got no no hankering to, to go to move to france is where all the great punk bass players go <laughs>
1: Well, no, no, I'd, um, I don't know. I've I, I never got over the fact that I wanted to move to London and I'm here. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to stay. I've been had me over there once and uh yeah. you know, it was a reciprocal arrangement for me putting him up when he's over here touring. So, yeah, yeah and it was lovely. And he just drove me around to see all the sights.
0: Oh, it was great. And he did a fantastic book, "Diminished Responsibility, My Life, yes. and yeah. sub, which we reviewed yeah. on the retro man bloggers you can check out a fantastic book and and this actually ties into some of your artwork because you've done the cover art for um two of his singles and i think the album maybe as well but um i know you've uh,
1: done. i think we we're the third single but the third one hasn't come out yet mm. but yes i i've, I've got two that, that have come out and and the third one that was is on the way
0: great well check out alvin gibbs and the disobedient servants and and you can see by the records because they've got some great. Cover art by Gay, and uh, you can frame it so you can get some even more affordable art. <laughs> 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 and then we'll go back to the original subspace player, this uh, Paul Slack. Who we're here, at UK subs and Warhead, but just like to say thanks very much indeed Gay. Lovely to chat to you, and thanks for your time.
1: You're very welcome. It's lovely to see you again, as it were.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll put a feature up at retromanblog.com with links to to all the feature bands and also where you can check out gay's art and just like to say thanks very much for listening everybody and uh, this is uk subs and warhead